0: to bonnets at dawn the only podcast that's being held hostage by an infant at the moment send help please send like the british embassy to i want like some swat forces or something men on ropes all women (laughs) all women on ropes so many negotiators none i i demand denzel washington (laughs) that's who i want audrey do you know who denzel washington is She will, because I'm going to make her watch Deja Vu with me so many times she feels like she's having it. (laughs) I am your host, Lauren Burke, Team Bronte. And I am your host, Hannah Chapman, Team Denzel, Washington.
1: Good, good. It's an Austin episode. Team Austin. (laughs) (laughs) We're a little sleepy because we just returned from the Jane
0: Austen Festival in Kentucky. Sweaty Kentucky. Oh my God. Were you dying? I was dying a little bit, there were many points. um, It's not often you get to experience sweat dripping down your back. Right, (laughs) it's true. Is that that like a sex thing? Because I felt (laughs) weird saying it out loud. I just meant like one of the days I was wearing a very dark gray T-shirt and Mm -hmm. I was like, "Mm, definitely should have picked the pale pink tank top, the the old Team Austin T-shirt. Uh, and another day I was wearing a Regency dress, but mm-hmm. I didn't have any of the undergarments on, like just a bra. So I was like, if I was wearing stays and petticoats and like an underdress and mm-hmm. like, ooh. So actually I was doing all right in comparison to a lot of the people yeah, there. Yeah, I, I don't know how
1: um, the soldier or the, the officers, naval officers yeah, were getting on. Because
0: mm-hmm. some of them had like wool coats on. Wool coats, shirts, waistcoats. Oh, and it was 94 Fahrenheit. Ninety four is about like thirty something for English okay for English listeners. Yeah. Okay.
1: I was gonna ask. Yeah. I which is hot. That. It's hot. It's hot. Yeah. That's
0: like heat wave heat.
1: Yeah, it's heat wave. And that's like normal there for but summer.
0: I will report um some wildlife that I saw. I saw many deer. Mm-hmm. And also glow worms. I saw some glow were they glow worms? Fireflies. Fireflies, that's yeah. it. I saw fire... which are like glow worms with wings. So I saw those. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was really exciting. And also mm-hmm. Crickets, scream, and um, cicadas are disgusting. Yeah. yeah. They're like so, they're cute, but sad.
1: You were into this wildlife. Not readily
0: available in, in the... Not readily. You, yeah, well, we okay. have deer, but they were just like in people's houses, like making yeah. a cup of tea and stuff. Totally. So, yeah. Would recommend Kentucky for the bugs and the deers. Mm-hmm. Now, what about the festival? Would you recommend the festival? Oh, I'd recommend Kentucky also for the festival. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the festival was fancy it It was nice yeah
1: and what was great about it too is i know they have huge numbers Mm -hmm. but it never felt felt like overcrowded or anything i mean you definitely couldn't get a seat in the big tent
0: no i felt you know what was it when we went to see chawton house and i was like it's a good house i wouldn't say it's like the greatest house (laughs) in terms of size right wasn't the biggest tent no wasn't the biggest tent could have been a bigger tent was the big tent not the biggest
1: Let's I would have liked
0: a Bonnets at Dawn, Big Tent, Annex, Annex. Mm-hmm. So we could all just sit in there.
1: Yeah, with air conditioning.
0: Mm-hmm. But what was really nice was that um, you could really tell that everyone wanted to be at all of the talks. There weren't many yeah. things that like were half empty or anything. Right. And there was, because it was outside and it wasn't like in a room, you could just stand at the back. Mm-hmm. So we saw um, Sarah Rose Kern's adaptation of Persuasion right. on the Friday night. Just as we rolled in, yeah, just as we rolled in, and uh, just stood up for the whole time because all of the Mm -hmm. seats were taken. But actually, it flew by. It It was really funny. I liked watching it.
1: Yeah, it was really good. And what was really nice too was um, because we had those Team Austin T-shirts, like we were able to meet so many people just right away. Yeah, people just immediately kind of came up to us as we rolled in. Well, there were four of us in Team Austin shirts (laughs) that were strolling in. Yeah. And um, oh my god, we got to meet so many of you, and it was amazing. It felt like I had like just, it felt like I had known all of you for so long.
0: Yeah, it was really it was like nice. a reunion of friends. Yeah, I think one of my favorite things, like aside from the festival just being really exciting to be at, it was just meeting everyone mm-hmm. and like going for dinner and going like going for drinks and yeah. drinking that giant thing of beer that was great highlight oh, you love that so that was friday night right that was friday night after the play
1: then we went out to a weird bar a weird a really bar. really weird it was it was interesting though like there was a dance floor um it was really loud the food was burgers and sushi yeah. Not a combo you see often. No, you
0: didn't have to have them together. Just people on our, people on right. your table. Because we were a big group, so we sat on two different tables. Yeah. My table was all about, like, fried pickles, get some burgers in, mm-hmm. get 90 ounces of beer in a giant tap. Right. Just get that in. Great time. We tried the sushi. I didn't. Was it right. burger sushi? It's all right. It's all right. No, like normal sushi. Go back to sleep,
1: baby. This yeah. isn't... This isn't for you. If you guys, you guys <laughs> might be able to hear a baby just in the background. Um, yeah, weird combination. I just want you to think, or I just want you to know mm-hmm. that's not normal for the United States. Okay. If You think that we just like do burgers and sushi together all the time?
0: No. It's just like a bar, isn't it? I, th- I, yeah. I think it's like pretty normal in the UK for like a bar or a pub to be like pub food from around the world. <laughs> <laughs> So I wasn't too. I was like, oh, usually. I wanted to go on the dance floor, but no one else wanted to go with me. I did not.
1: Yeah. So um, that happened. And then the next day we hit up the festival sort of like proper and early. Mm-hmm. And
0: um, I can't even remember all the things that we saw. But that's OK, because we'll go into it in the in the we've got a road trip episode. We don't have to cover it all now. We but do. we've just got back. This is our first time recording since getting back. It's so we've true. obviously got to unload into the microphone.
1: Yes, what happened and all that good stuff. But I saw, there's a
0: company I follow on Instagram and they were there. I didn't say hello to them, but that was exciting. I was oh. like, oh, my interests are meeting up. Oh, my nice. costuming interests are meeting up with my podcasting interests. Yes, they are. And my reenactment interests. and It's all coming together. If the HMS Acasta want me to run away and reenact a young woman joining the navy in the 18th century and then you can discover i'm a woman and i can stand for trial i'm in you're into that i'm into it that'd be a good book yeah
1: i'm into that so yeah we're just now back it was great now i know they're gonna get started on planning the next festival Mm -hmm. very very soon which Mm -hmm. will be 2019 middle of july guys put it on your calendars now any suggestions you might have
0: for the programming coordinator, Miss Amanda Beverley, who did a wonderful job this year? Amanda, I think that you should, and you can hire me to do this, I don't mind if you hire me, and maybe Lauren, you could throw Lauren in there oh, as well, sure. I guess. But I think there should be just a little tent with like a couple of easy chairs, and then for the entirety of the festival opening hours, you should have someone reading Northanger Abbey. Oh. Because it's Northanger yeah. Abbey, isn't it? Next year is yeah. Northanger Abbey, so that they're celebrating, from, yeah. From start to finish. And then because, like, everyone knows the books, so it's not like people have to sit there and listen to the whole thing. But if mm-hmm. you've got, like, ten minutes between the duel and the bare-knuckle-boxing uh, bear, bear and you don't know what to do with yourself, Yeah, you could just pop in, do that. Pop in, sit down. Yeah. Maybe there's a fan. Yeah. Also, that little kitchen cooking demonstration – Oh, you want a cooking demonstration. Yeah, I did get a bit, because obviously that's what I do when I reenact. Yeah. And so I walked into this little kitchen, and something I have never done is cook in a castle. I always cook Mm. over a fire pit outside the castle. Okay. And so seeing this little 18th century kitchen, I was like, I'm jealous, and I would like to watch someone roasting a ham on that fire. Okay. All right. So. Those are some good suggestions, actually. Great suggestions, I
1: know. Yeah. I should be a consultant. (laughs) We are available, yeah, for a very reasonable price. <laughs> um, what would you What
0: would you recommend?
1: I don't like have too many things. I mean, I think it was great. I loved it. I love oh, that they yeah. did the persuasion, um, like performance on Friday night, which um, even like you know I, I think that's a great idea. Just you know, I always want more theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say get in like some comedy performers like yeah here in Chicago we do have some Jane Austen like improvers yeah not too far they can make the journey Mm -hmm. they're really funny because I feel like they could actually do a performance in the big tent but they could also also you know like walk around the grounds and like interact with people they're very comfortable doing that yeah um so I think that would actually be really really fun and they're a great group um another great group hey now is sense and spontaneity
0: who is on the show today that's a really good segue but i have just had one more idea before you segue into them any further oh yeah an escort service whoa one of the biggest (laughs) (laughs) you always you always hear people saying like i love well i always hear myself saying Mm -hmm. this because i'm like an echo chamber for my own ideas Mm -hmm. you always hear people talking about like look i love these regency events but where's the men at and mm-hmm. if there is a man, he's guarded by like five women. One of them's his wife or girlfriend. The other ones are her friends. No one's getting near him. Mm-hmm. You know, don't make eye contact with him. Keep a fan in front of your eyes. So if they partnered or teamed with like a male escort service, but and like a classy <laughs> one, I'm a not cla- talking. Yeah, a very, not, very, very, very classy one. Because this is the 18th one. century. No one's having any of that kind of nonsense before sure. marriage. I'm not saying you should marry these men, but right. just dress them up. Mm -hmm. Hire him out for the ball, maybe like um, a gold package ticket. Okay. And it comes with a date. Whoa. And he knows how to do all the dances and he'll fetch you a drink. Okay. And he'll call you sweet things. Oh. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. (laughs) Sense and spontaneity. What are you saying, Lily? We're just giving away all of our our ideas for free today. I don't think anyone is. I don't think anyone's using that one. No. (laughs) No.
1: Sense and spontaneity. They are an Australian duo. Mm hmm. They're going to introduce themselves. So, you know, I'll they might not that say this, but
0: they're funny. They are just very in case funny. they don't
1: say, oh, we're funny. Yeah, yeah they're they are. very funny. Um, I know a few of our listeners have actually already seen their show.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so you guys can chime in. They're funny, right? Um, they've got two videos that you can go ahead and watch on YouTube right now. I'm sure many of you guys have already seen Dear Mr. Darcy,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is very clever. Um, they also have Obstinate Headstrong Girl.
0: Oh, oh, as it could be subtitled, mm-hmm. Jane Austen's Secret Radical, the Musical.
1: It is inspired <laughs> by Helena Kelly's um, Secret Radical. So, yeah.
0: yeah. I just like it as like a balm to twee Jane. Yes. Like, next time someone's like, oh, Jane Austen, doily, so you can just like play that or mm-hmm. sing it. You could sing it to them yourself. Yeah. And uh, yeah. The words are on the screen, so you can memorize them. Yeah, and just like sing karaoke. It. Yeah. Oh, that's another suggestion. Jane Austen karaoke. Dear Mr. Darcy, dear Mr. Darcy,
2: Dear Mr Darcy, we're composing a letter We'll discuss your merits, how you could be doing better You're the picture of gentility despite your lack of cheer And no one could object to 10,000 pounds a year When you articulate by pen, you do it tenderly You have the respect of your workers at Pemberley All your qualities make you a desirable man If you're open to feedback, we hope that you can take on Just one instruction couldn't possibly hurt For you to spend more time in a wet white shirt Dear Mr Darcy, we don't want to be cruel But if we saw you on the street, we'd push you into a pool Dear Mr Darcy, we don't mean to be curt. But we We only want want to see you in a wet white shirt You pay off wretched weddings with stealth and bribery And behind closed doors have an enormous Library! You like your hands dirty and admire fine eyes But only if they're brightened by Exercise! You're rude, abrasive, and you don't enjoy balls You forget the main point, it's not about his flaws Let's give positive feedback, let's take a look at his finest moments It's
1: not even in the book We know you're not perfect Let's agree on that Now, when were you guys first introduced to Austin?
3: Um, I would have been about nine or ten. The BBC version of Pride and Prejudice uh, was running on um, ABC, which is our kind of sister, the Australian Broadcasting Corporation, is like the sister station to the BBC. And I lived in Mm -hmm. the country, and so we we only had two channels, (laughs) Uh, two television channels, and one of them was the ABC. And I remember watching it with my grandma and my mum, and none of us had read Jane Austen. Um, My mum's is huge Anne McCaffrey science fiction fan and my nan is, like, one of those bestsellers. Like, she only read things, like, by Patricia Cornwall and Jeffrey Archer, mm-hmm. um, you know. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of that guy.
1: Airport books is what I usually call them. <laughs> Airport <laughs> yeah, books. Yeah, anything on,
3: the, anything on the bestsellers list, that's what she was reading. So n- we had no idea. Uh, we watched this every week. Uh, we watched an episode and we didn't know. That this shows you how much Austen culture has taken off since that adaptation. We did not know that Elizabeth ended up with Darcy.
1: Oh, really? You were, like, in suspense.
3: We thought she was going to end up with Wickham. And then we even oh thought she might end up with Colonel Fitzwilliam. And I was so <laughs> shocked when Darcy proposed. I can remember being about nine or ten and standing up from my chair and going, "No!" <laughs> <laughs> um, I recently rewatched it with my boyfriend, uh, who you know is a big anime fan, and only agreed to watch Austen because he's seen our show about eight times. <laughs> so we were his introduction to Jane Austen. Poor man. It was really interesting watching it again from the perspective of a complete neophyte and going yeah Darcy's a jerk like <laughs> until until the second half where he changes quite a bit like if you don't have that pre-existing knowledge and relationship with these characters you you go with her and she hates him for the first half of the story so it was really yeah interesting going it's-
4: oh yeah that's why that's why I was surprised <laughs>
1: It's funny that you say that, too, because for our Valentine's Day episode, we watched Sense and Sensibility with my husband and then Hannah's housemate, Jack, and they have no Austin knowledge. Mm -hmm. And they were just like shocked. That well, they kept saying they're like, we need Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman to get together. We don't understand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they were very upset, and Jack kept thinking that there was going to be a suicide. He was like, I think that Marianne's going to commit suicide. The whole movie. Yes, yeah, was so shocked she lived. Yeah. <laughs> it was Yeah, like, no,
3: no, no, no. This isn't Bronte. <laughs> yeah,
1: that, exactly. That
3: happens. <laughs> the, the worst damage that can occur is your reputation. <laughs> <laughs> <On> the- exactly. <laughs> sensibility you do have an off-screen character an off-book character who has to be a single mom and like live out her life in (laughs) in poverty but you know we don't care about her because we're
4: classist
1: Mm. right exactly
4: (laughs) (laughs) i had i had a much more um i was introduced to austin by watching you know the the austin adaptations with my sister and my mom and I guess I kind of had this very romantic view about what Austin was that it's just it's pretty things and it's all about the romance and it wasn't until we actually developed this show and I started reading Jane Austen that I discovered Jane Austen's you know she's satirical and she's funny and she's, she's witty. not romantic it's, these these aren't romance stories these are social commentary and mm. um I think she gets compared um, to Bronte
3: a lot, um, obviously, and, and I know Br- the Brontes didn't like her, but but then they didn't even like each other. So, um,
1: but Charlotte has a lot of issues, guys. Yeah, but <laughs> I think
3: I think what's interesting about Jane Austen is she's not. I don't think she is that much like even Gaskell. Um, I think she's probably more like Dickens or even, like, if you're really going to find someone to compare Austen with, I think she's like, you know, like a realism version of Terry Pratchett. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah,
1: that's a nice comparison.
3: That really, the narration, and this is what gets missed in all the adaptations, um, except for maybe Love and Friendship, the narration is so, so sarcastic. So biting. And and so quite silly and... And English, you know? <laughs> it's so very
2: <Yeah>. English.
3: <laughs> like, let's spend all our time making fun of ourselves in a way that I think only English comedy can really achieve.
1: I feel like you guys must really um pinpoint the sort of like misconceptions about Austin. Um just extra hard because of like what you do and because of people talking to you about Austin, like at shows or what people think Jane Austen is.
4: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I just, I can only imagine. We get a
4: lot of people thinking that it's like romantic comedy or people like Mm -hmm. to use the term chick lit. Yeah. When they talk about, what we do, like, you know, it's Mm. like, oh, your little, your little wrong couple, your little chick lit, -lit, just literature. Just literature. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah.
4: Really good literature.
1: (laughs) We we
3: don't have to prescribe. We used to joke that our show was certified boyfriend friendly and we've stopped making that joke um, because we don't want to apologise for the femininity of the work. Um, And because... Men just like it. The men who come to see our show like it. And boyfriends mm-hmm. that are forced to watch the BBC production of Pride and Prejudice have laughed their heads off. And actually, mm-hmm. I think Austen done well for non-readers. Obviously, Austen done well is just go and read the books. But Austen <laughs> Austin adaptations done well for non-readers. It should be accessible no matter what your gender. And yeah. I think... I think one thing because we improvise so we completely make her show up on the spot and it's different every time, Um, like all good improvisation or satirical comedy, we spend a lot of time making commentary on society now.
1: Right.
4: Through the Jane Austen filter. And that's a lovely thing that we're armed with that we can get up on stage uh, we did a show the other day where Jess ripped apart uh, everything that's happening in Australian politics in a ball scene and it was just, yeah. it was beautiful. Uh, I just
3: I just named people um, that I was, to- I was talking to imaginary people just moving from audience member to audience member and I just named them after, like, prominent politicians. <laughs> I was just like... We've had a we've had a sex scandal recently with a minister called Wannabe Joyce. And I was like, Oh, Mr. Joyce, really? You think it's appropriate to do that with your servant? <laughs> I think I might have even gone, Oh yes,
4: Bishop Trump. Yes, let's arm the governesses. Um <laughs> it was just, it was just it's fun. We've got this we've got this lovely filter that we can say anything that we like. Um, And and the filter of Austin keeps it safe, but we can actually look at things and examine things that are going on.
3: And because we're in pretty dresses and putting on silly accents and there's two of us in 12 hats and we're playing upwards of 20 characters, even our audience are like, this is the loveliest show at Fringe. (laughs) (laughs) This is really nice and sweet. This is so romantic. And yet... (laughs) We're often making huge, huge comments on mm. feminism and romance and relationships and gender and friendships and family.
1: <laughs> it's the same filter that like Austin operated under too. I mean, the, the other day, like, you know, Hannah and I were having a very deep discussion about sort of, you know, slave traders and how people would have read uh, Austin in, a, in their Context, mm. you know, and um how a lot of things are lost in translation—just lost, you know—to time and people just focus on
4: yeah, balls I think it would
1: and be romance, possible. and
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think it would have been possible to read Mansfield Park without knowing exactly, exactly what explicitly. it was about. Yeah. Well, I think for us, we right. with Dickens,
3: it's so obvious. You're like, oh, these people have mm-hmm. silly names. Oh, this is this is a comment on, um, you know. Industrialization and the way children are being treated, and with Austin, they still have silly names, but we don't realise they have silly names. We They're don't realise right. their characters right. essentially called Bishop Trump, right. or you know yeah, yeah, right. Condoleezza Rice, <laughs> or you know, we don't we don't click, uh, like that. They've essentially called, um, you know Mansfield Park is a little bit like calling it Fair Trade Manor, <laughs> right. yeah, right, and it's that
1: explicit in austin's language right mm. uh-huh. now how did you guys make okay make the leap from you're doing you know essentially like children's theater <laughs> to <laughs> to this
4: There there was quite a bit of time between the children's theater sure what we're doing now so we um jess is a playwright um we're both we've both done quite a bit of professional acting um we both uh Pursued improvisation, yeah, dramatic improvisation and comedic improvisation, um, and sort of learnt the tools of the trade there. Mm. Um, and I think we we did a duo course together, yeah. and we really wanted to make a show. And
3: we did the wankiest stuff that we <laughs> we'd get together at night time in an abandoned car park and improvise <laughs> like a forty minute, completely dramatic, completely emotionally true like drama while we tried to figure out what, what improv duo we wanted to do. And we were like, we want to make sure, art sure. and we want it to be political.
4: Yeah, we want to make something really political. We want it to be meaningful. And we had, oh, we were very, <laughs> we were taking ourselves very seriously. And that <laughs> <laughs> could never last. It wasn't until um we were, we both had our kids. Um, they were little and we we went, what if we tried doing some Austin? And we pulled a bunch of toys, toy animals and dinosaurs out of a box. And we gave them silly names and started acting out an Austin. Yeah, we were like, oh, hello, Mr. Clergy. Oh, it's so good to see you. Thank the Lord I am still living, but I'm sure I'll be dead by tomorrow. And before we knew it, the kids had left the room. They didn't care. And we were wetting ourselves on the floor going, this is it. This could be a show. Um, that was four years
3: ago. We put on a show. We, we like, rehearsed maybe three times. Um. We had some dresses that had been made for Esther's family for a, like, a fancy dress party. Yeah. And we rocked up with some hats and we were very surprised to sell out and do really well and then make
4: lots of money. (laughs) And we were like, oh. Excellent. 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 This this doesn't just happen. Um, And it was such an ambitious experiment. We were like, can two women tell an entire Austen story and be completely making it up in an hour, and it be entertained, right? And
3: and for a long time, I think all we tr- all we aimed for is we it was it had to be fun, it had to be easy, and it had to make us money. Yeah. Um. Right. And sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. And over time, we found by accident, oh wow, we can actually have really beautiful moments of truth sometimes. Yeah. And oh, we yeah. can actually make these horrendous, ridiculous political comments, like while the um the uh, same-sex marriage plebiscite was going on. He yeah. performed a show, where I was like, "I can marry you because you're my cousin." And then I like broke for a second and stepped <sighs> and just leaned forward to the audience, and went, "Because in Australia, you can legally marry your cousin, <laughs> but you can't marry someone of the same gender." <laughs> yeah, we get to have our gripes. Now you can <clears throat> marry your cousin, even if they're the same gender in Australia no one marries their cousin that's a socially inappropriate faux pas I just feel like you should know that but (laughs) you may not be aware of this but you can marry your cousin in most countries except for the United States
1: (laughs) oh there's parts in the United States that can it can go down oh yeah and I know this because of family history oh we should be interviewing you
3: My mum's my friend, Kentucky. friend up was married to her first cousin,
4: so um, I've known my whole life that it's legal in Australia. <laughs> anyway, we're good. <going> with- <laughs> can, can I add one detail to, to this story? When we first started doing this show, because I'd only been exposed to the adaptations of Austin, I didn't realise we were doing comedy. Like I thought, uh, uh, every rehearsal I was like, okay, we're going for, you know, we're going for the drama and we're going for the truth. And the first festival we entered, um, I was insistent that we were down as theatre and not comedy. And Jess, who was well-versed, well-read in Austin, was kind of like, okay, sure. <laughs> um, but it wasn't until, like, I actually started reading, uh, until we started performing, we got up on stage and every time we did it, people were rolling around laughing and and I was like, "Oh, is this is this a comedy? <laughs> oh, are we are a, we comedians? Oh. Like most improvisers, yes, we are comedians." <laughs> 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 it, it, it totally, I got blindsided. I I was I was totally shocked. You were still caught up in that doing mm, our like serious, dramatic, yeah. emotionally, yeah. political yeah.
3: drama improvisation, yeah, which I've always oh. maintained it tends to be more fun for the actors than the audience. <laughs> Uh, sure, But sure. It's, we got trained by people who were very, very good at improvisation and learned really important skills. <laughs> now we call ourselves comedians and make silly videos about yeah. Mr. Darcy. So it's good. We figured it out.
1: <laughs> but I do wonder, do you get any like do you get any pushback from like the Jane Austen community or? Not from the Jane Are they pretty much, community. they're cool? Yeah. yeah.
4: There's, a, there's a Jane Austen community in Perth. They've all come out to see our shows and they've written us lovely letters about how, how oh, great nice. they had, okay. I think we
3: we can be sticklers for historical accuracy.
4: Somehow.
3: Sure, yeah. We need historical accuracy. Like, mage, stand in front of me. I need to lift my
4: skirt and pee into this gravy tureen. sort of stuff. <laughs> uh, and I think people really appreciate, like, that we – I mean, we are clowns. We're silly and we're doing something impossible. We're, yeah. we're doing something just that cannot be done. So I think just – we're also not adapting
3: Jane Austen. Like, it might be really different if we sure. were doing Pride and Prejudice or Sense and Sensibility every night, but we're not. We're making Jane Austen's seventh unpublished novel, um, mm-hmm. Sense and Spontaneity. And because because what we're doing is inspired by Jane Austen, I think that probably does give us just that little bit of freedom because mm. we're not criticizing mm-hmm. or critiquing her books no, or, or even we love her. Or even talking about her books all that much mm. we're 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 using tropes um
4: yep. and the format of our show is we um w- we're women telling women's stories so we get um we get uh, a couple of people we interview them and we find out about one person and that becomes the inspiration for our lead heroine so whatever that person wants or likes that becomes the the heroine of sense and spontaneity the story that we tell
2: hmm. um
4: and so it's is that jane austen filter we're entering the world of austen but we're not claiming to to remake Austin and I think people enter that space with us when they come and see our show. So, mm-hmm.
3: yeah. Whereas, like, I can see, like, I, I remember watching Lost in Austin and and getting, like, I watched Austinland with, with Kerry Russell and loved it and it was silly and fun and I loved it. And I watched Lost in Austin and I got so angry.
1: Um,
3: <laughs> I got so angry. <laughs> like, like. At all the changes to the story, and really, I'm like, frustrated at the lead. And I was like, "She doesn't deserve Mister Darcy. She's not Elizabeth <laughs> Bennet." So I, I can understand. I can understand why people would react differently because you have that ownership. I think when you're a nerd or a fan, and your perspective, of what it's like, like for me, my perspective is this is comedy, um, right. and. And there's going to be over-serious, over-romanticised versions of things. Like, I've never liked an adaptation of Persuasion um, mm-hmm. to this day. I mean, and that's probably one of her most actually romantic books. I love Persuasion and I, I the adaptations that I'm always like, no, wrong,
1: they've got it wrong.
3: <laughs> so I can see how that, like, can happen, but I can also see how we avoid that lashback um right. by being adjacent to Austin
4: mm. rather
3: than being um
4: Yeah, because I know claiming we're... to be Austin. I think a large part yeah. of our audience are like a large part of our audience are Jane Austen fans. Oh so. yeah. <laughs> so um particularly like at the festivals, people put up their hand when we say who here loves Jane Austen and we usually get like people shouting like woo! Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they're not taking themselves seriously. They're having fun. They're excited. They're excited to be there and share in the in the joy that is mm-hmm. um, what we're making. Yeah, and we're
3: going to mm-hmm. the Jane Austen
4: Society in
3: Adelaide, um, and going along to one of their chats and a morning tea. And we've got um, they ran a competition, and so we've got some members from their society coming. So it'll be interesting um, to see. After only really interacting with the Perth Jane Austen Society will be interesting to, yeah. to meet. Because um, I don't know if either of us – like, I'm a big Star Trek fan. That's what I nerd out over and grew up on. <laughs> um, and I, like, love Jane Austen. And I've become certainly become very obsessed with her. <laughs> but I don't know if either of us were Jane Austen society level of obsessed before we started doing
4: this show. Yeah, we would have been mm-hmm. the sort of people that are like, no, Jess wouldn't. But beforehand, I would have been like, oh, my gosh, yeah, I love Jane Austen. I love Jane Eyre. How good is that? that <laughs> I would have been that person. Before before we started developing, I was the show. never that person.
3: Yeah, I, I was never that person. I sometimes will be confused between Charlotte, Emily, and Anne Brontë as to who wrote what. <laughs> um, but but I was never the
4: person who you know. We'll, we'll, yeah, we have this conversation with a lot of people. Where
3: oh, go, I love Jane Austen. Little oh, Women is little so amazing. Women. I love Little oh, Women. Yeah. And- yeah, I do all the
1: time. <laughs> yeah, I do it. Well,
3: I mean, I love Little Women
4: and I have Green Gables and there, there <laughs> are things that would never have annoyed me before we started doing all this. For instance, like... We get a lot of we get a lot of letters and um, fan mail and stuff like that from people that have just seen the show for the first time, and they'll say, "Oh, I don't even like Jane Austen that much." With an I, with an I, <laughs> And I yes. would have cared beforehand. Like I never yeah. would have even
1: noticed. Now, do you guys are you guys constantly revisiting the material then?
4: Yeah, yeah,
1: we yeah
4: we do. It's like the, All the books are kind of like. I guess the Bible of the backbone of our show. So,
3: right.
4: so we cram. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I cram study, and we'll read like um, read a book or read sections of book. I I find um, I'm I'm reading the books to my kids, um, and mm-hmm. it's really fun because you're constantly explaining why why this is significant, why this matters. Um, mm. My my kids love Mrs. Bennett. Um, because they know, they understand that she's always speaking out of turn and she's always saying things that she shouldn't and they think it's really funny. So when Miss Bennett says something and because I'm reading it slowly to them, I get to exaggerate all the points. And even my husband said to me the other day, oh, everyone should listen to everyone should listen to Pride and Prejudice <laughs> when you read it because it makes sense. <laughs> but I'm, that's because I'm aiming it at children. <laughs> but I,
3: I do think we... We spend a lot of time, I guess, making sense of the world through Jane Austen um, mm-hmm. and making Jane Austen make sense through a lens of the world. And, I mean, like, don't get us wrong. We do this in the silliest show ever. Like, <laughs> It is right. so silly. I, if If one of us... Ask the other to quote Byron, there's a good chance she's gonna say, I see her apple bottom jeans, boots with the fur. The whole club is looking at her. <laughs> like, yeah, like, it's it's
4: silly. But we, we it's
3: where a show goes by where we don't
4: crump. <laughs> <laughs> but we but we do definitely um yeah, spend a lot of time just revisiting the work, learning new things about oh, the work have and
3: going. No. Oh no, we good. Oh, no, yeah. I'm
4: still here. We, we learned something new about it and we go, oh, we've got to go back and, and have a look at that text. Or so now that I understand that this book is really focused on this, I've got to reread it.
3: Yeah, like I enjoyed mm-hmm. – um, I rewatched the um, Frances O'Connor Mansfield Park recently. <gasps> um, uh, she's my friend's auntie. But anyway, I rewatched <laughs> – <the, laughs> name drop, plop. Um, and it was never my favourite, but since learning, like really learning – about all of the code, all everything that had been coded into Mansfield Park. I think I just always assumed that the writers had put all that um, slavery, the um, adapters had put all that slavery stuff in themselves because they knew that was going on at the time. And then finding out, oh, no, like this is, she is commenting on current politicians who were in power and debates that were happening right then. Like it's basically... And the law was so strict at the time that you you had to be so careful, and writers were getting you know jailed and put to death, and there was a revolution mm-hmm. going on in france and so there was such fear there was such fear about um, any sort of seditious thought or revolutionary thought, especially from um, people who weren't in the noble class mm-hmm. Uh, and you know it's really easy to look at Jane Austen and think oh yes she was nobility but say no 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 she was she wasn't even a gentleman's daughter she wasn't even really in the ton like she was she was the vicar's daughter she is writing about people who have even more power and station than she had and so she had to be so careful um, about what she wrote and in her letters she often gets frustrated because she's aiming for one thing and it's getting interpreted by another i mean mm-hmm. what even what we have of her letters because her family um just burnt so much of her le- writing right. and spent so much time like propagating this idea of her being a quiet well-behaved country girl <laughs> which mm-hmm. could be about their reputation as a family and it could have been about saving their necks <laughs> yeah. politically and so I think, yeah, rewatching Mansfield Park and going,
4: ah, actually, this is a really great adaptation of that text. Yeah, it's so um, that kind of repression for all is so evident in that movie because just the, like, the silences and the moments and all the all the words unspoken. Mm. Um, it's just so strong, and the character of Fanny Price, like, she's just got so much integrity.
3: And she was one of Jane Austen's favorites. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, she was one of Jane Austen's favourites. I mean, Jane Austen was religious as well, and she would react sometimes and be like, oh, no, I need to have more meaning or more purpose in my life. I'm going to write this character. Everyone yeah.
0: <laughs> thinks she's boring,
3: <laughs> um, which we get. Uh, but she was very – she had a real sense of humour about about everything, including religion. Um,
1: now, like, what tropes do you guys – do you guys find yourself like falling back on certain tropes like when you're performing for Austin quite often like what are the what are the hits
4: Um we we try we try and break them whenever we're discovering we're doing them but there are certain mm-hmm. things like um because we make up the characters names all the time like you know, one hat doesn't necessarily represent any character, but every single time we put on a clergy hat, we're like, Oh, Mr. Clergy. And we, and we, if it gets named Mr. Clergy, we know the C is going to be a really ridiculous character. Yeah, they're going to be
3: Mr. Collins and they're not going to marry <laughs> sure. anyone. Um, we have a lot of, um, often the first guy she meets and falls in love with, or the first guy she meets, she hates. And then she meets someone else who she loves and he usually turns out to be a cad or in love with her sister and she often ends up with the first Mm -hmm. guy. I'd say that we end up with Bingley's a lot more than we end up with Darcy's though, which is interesting. Yeah, (laughs) we
4: we try and give our heroines, because we're telling someone's story who's like who we've just met and the whole audience has just met, we want to give them a good person. And I think we, yeah, like occasionally they get quite a, like we we did one the other night where he was a ridiculous. He wasn't very bright. He his his wife had died. He was like in his late thirties, and he just spoke his mind the whole time. He was he was probably more like Mr. Collins than oh yeah he, than, he was he was like father. the
3: tiny green balls character from the Love and Friendship adaptation. <laughs> he was so dumb. <laughs> but he was he he listened
4: to her and he, he was did. attentive
3: because I always play the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, I I genuinely just see who does
4: my character fall in love with? Mm. Um, We definitely have the tropes of, like, um, incompetent parents.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. Lady Catherine de Bourgh types as well. Yeah. They come in. Oh, sure.
4: Like, yeah, it's kind of opinionated bossy aunts or, Um, you know.
3: Silly sisters. Yeah. Silly sisters. Uh, We Talkative poor neighbours. Very talkative poor neighbours come in a lot. Uh, We have the tropes of... um, walking there's lots of walking in our show and <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's lots of being and this isn't even austin there's lots of being knocked over by horses and then having to be to <laughs> yeah. damaged ankles, damaged <laughs> ankles going out, uh
1: perfect going out in
3: the rain happens a lot um
4: and, and that's probably like i mean that's a sense and sensibility thing but I think it's more that our friendship we go for walks in the rain when and Jess will be like it's gonna rain I'm like nonsense let's go and then we get soaked
3: anytime we can throw a quote in we do um, our leads are often incompetent at being women
4: um yeah they don't have very good they're not very accomplished in the in the way they should oh
3: perfect and they're often accomplished in something completely different like maybe they climb trees or maybe they cook, or um, because you know we're
4: basing it on real people. So well, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, the person that we meet might surprise us with something that they're really good at. so yeah,
3: and um, it, like sometimes it'll be like, oh, we just performed persuasion, but sometimes it'll be like, i, uh, we we performed little women bit with a Jane Austen, right. Um, but they're diff- <laughs> they are really genuinely completely different every time. We, we always kiss.
4: We always kiss at the end of the show. Yeah. That, but, yeah, like we, we we start the show and we tell the audience, you know, this is for you, we're making this up for you, and we don't know what's going to happen. And we genuinely, like we'll be on stage midway through a show and we don't know how it's going to end.
3: We've not left someone single yet. Um, but they, there's, there's been a few characters where I've been like, she might decide to be a governess. Like she might decide... We have a lot of characters who are 27 and who are too, too old. Sure. Um, and we like to do things like, I'm so old, I'm 2 and 40. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the wrong side of 5 and 30. Uh, we we play with that a lot. We play a lot with people being too old or too poor to marry. But then sometimes our lead might be really wealthy. So it really yeah. it really does change from night to night. But one of my favourite shows we ever did um, <laughs> The woman we interviewed told us her real love story, and she mm-hmm. she was living on this farm, this property owned by her family, riding horses every day, and she ended up with like this poor mechanic working oh, on her farm. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Such that- <laughs> a like cool Austin story. Yeah, like I think how they right. she fell off her horse, you know, just like perfect. So we had this romance between a wealthy landowner and her estate manager. And then mm-hmm. the guy in the neighboring estate who was equally wealthy, he had this really ridiculous estate manager and after we'd married off the romance with the estate, like the, <laughs> the lead with the estate manager, I don't know how it happened to this day. <laughs> but somehow we'd accidentally developed a romance between
4: between these two two men. These two
3: men. And they, like, decided to run off to China and live together as lovers and they kissed. And it was so funny because we kiss each other every night, one of us in a top hat and one of us in a bonnet, and we've never had a complaint. And we'd kissed each other in a top hat and a bonnet two minutes previous, no complaint. But all
4: these people in the audience complained about the, like... The men that were kissing. The men
1: kissing. <laughs> the two men. Like, oh, my gosh. There were
4: no men in the show. Yeah. <laughs> we're women. We're women kissing every night, every time. Every time.
1: <laughs> I was but... like,
4: oh,
3: what? what? So so we have definitely... And we've definitely had a few... um We've definitely got up some really lovely... Um, ladies who were couples and interviewed them and then ended up with some pretty homoerotic undercurrents <laughs> between like
4: sure. the two best friends. Um, yeah but we we have we have tropes but you won't necessarily see them all like you know the tropes are just a knowledge of Austin that we're bringing to the show so you mm-hmm. won't necessarily see any of these things. every time every time but, right you always see tropes. Every show is full of Austin tropes. Yeah. They're just different all the time. And if mm-hmm. a, quote, if a quote, quote fits somewhere, then we'll say it, but we don't ever force it no, or anything like it that. Just it's happens. just Yeah, it just happens. Okay,
3: we had one this week where she was visiting the poor all the time, um, and I think that's one of the first times that's happened, actually, and yet visiting the poor is such a big part of,
0: of, of the Emma culture, and, of, and yeah. so yeah. Many
3: of the books. Um, uh, We we um we had a we had um a girl go with her best friend to the continent and go traveling which doesn't happen in any of the Austens. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh so it's it's um yeah it's always different but you do find you do find those moments
4: yeah the more austin you know the more you'll go oh yeah yeah
3: <laughs> the more yeah so that's why I think we spend so much time saturating ourselves in the culture, so that it's there and it's accessible when we need it. Right. And sometimes it'll be Bronte. Sometimes she'll be convinced mm-hmm.
1: or across. I was about to ask <laughs> if you guys ever go a different. Well, yeah, with a different. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Author, yeah.
3: we absolutely have governesses come to mansions and fall in love with the fathers of children. We absolutely sure. have. Um, uh, the no- more North Angus Abbey style where she thinks there's a dead wife in the addict, but he's not, you know. <laughs> like, um, and definitely we had little women moments. I had a character just last week who was just like, if I was a boy, I would be off fighting the war and yeah. it's not fair that I'm a girl. Um, um, we probably even have Anna of Green Gable moments. I mean, often there might be moments I'm bringing in that Esther doesn't realise. <laughs> but... But it's it's there. I think in improvisation, you take whatever you whatever you've been
4: yeah whatever you're being influenced by. It's funny if we've seen shows together or we've been talking about something, it often comes out in the play. Mm. So yeah, we
3: had we had we had a whole bunch of Batman references in a show (laughs) once, and Esther didn't realise.
4: I had no idea. Like they were genuinely explicit Batman moments, and the show finished
3: called Robin.
4: The show finished and I was like, "You, you did? Say, it was there were a lot of children at that show. Of so that
3: show." There were a lot of twelve-year-old boys. So we were
4: we were playing to the children, okay. like doing a lot more physical stuff. And like at the end, I was like, "Jess, you made some really weird choices." And she was like, "Seriously, did you not pick up all these incredibly obvious references I'm to like, Batman?" Oh no! But now that you say it, it makes a lot more sense. I was Mister Bat. <laughs> I had a cave, the Bat's
1: cave. Sure, sure. <laughs> sure. Now, um, are you guys planning on doing uh, more videos? We
3: Let's are. We are. We've got. Um, we did a silly video called Period Drama, uh, mm-hmm. which was just um, uh, a, a fringe cross promo for um, a show called My Greatest Period Ever, and we were like, hee hee. <sighs> we can pun on that, uh, but we do have um, mm-hmm. we do have a planned video coming out later this year called. Um, it's called Headstrong Obstinate Girl because that scans better. We do know it's Obstinate Headstrong Girl. Um,
4: We're already preparing ourselves for the outrage. Um, Yeah, Jess has written this incredible song um, and it's kind of, it's reflective of all the things that we've probably discussed in this podcast about um, things that exist in Austin's work that we We wouldn't normally get. So I guess it's kind of a rebuttal to anyone like the Bronte sisters or Mark Twain who criticised Jane Austen and it's us just talking about how hardcore she was and how incredible.
3: Yeah, Um, and kind of encouraging girls just like
4: anyone really. But, you know, you can be incredible too. Yeah, yeah. it's sort of, in a way, it's like an ode to our daughters, like, go out, be bossy, have opinions, hmm. be stubborn.
3: Let's reclaim this phrase.
4: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Obstinate headstrong girl. Obstinate headstrong girl. And sensibility doesn't seem like a roaring feminist decree. But the very first opening paragraph is quoting mad mm-hmm. feminazi Mary Wollstonecraft. While you're caught up in the lives of two ordinary sisters in their trials and tribulations, finding adequate misters. The real story of inadequacy is the unjust system of inheritance. Pride and prejudice, pretty straightforward. Fairy tale love and an ordinary courtship. From that very first handshake to that infamous dance, it's a thinly veiled comment on. Revolutionary France. Don't think Austen is brutal and badass when she tells Lady Catherine, stick it up your class. Lizzie was more than her pair of fine eyes. Her true accomplishment was her damn fine mind. Wanna follow in her footsteps? Gotta get your hems dirty. And we are back.
1: So, you can find Esther and Jessica all over the internet as Sense and Spontaneity. Now, best place to go is their Facebook page. But you can also find those guys on Twitter at Sense and Spont. But where can people find us on the internet, Hannah?
0: Snow. Oh. Google, Google it, I reckon. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Got ya. You. you can find us as always on Instagram and Twitter. Said that the other way around this week. Wild. Shaky. Crazy. It up at bonnets at dawn you can email us at bonnets at just bonnets at dawn every week bonnets at dawn at Mm gmail.com and you can find us on facebook by joining our group we're just over 300 members now yeah so there's a lot of people in there just having a little chin wag why not make it 300 and something one more
1: great point great point you sold me i'm gonna join our facebook group
0: join it if you join it as well, it's 300 and something, too. Yes. hmm. That's how numbers work, guys. We will talk at you next week. Bye. <laughs>